if you will, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. You there? All right. Starting in verse 25, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, the Levite, when he arrived at the same place, he looked and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and he said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him, Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. <clears throat> I want to uh, start off with a with a story. Uh, there's a lot of times in your life where I think God sends people, and, and the people that he sends, they don't even know they've been sent. That, that impacts your life and kind of brings you, uh, maybe an answer of what you're looking for. You know, I'm one who's always looking and, and trying to seek the Lord and, and, uh, here lately I've been really looking for, you know, just wanting God to, um, renew a lot of the areas of my heart and my life as far as my faith. I, I really, desire to have a, a vibrant and a living faith, you know, each and every day for the Lord that will, that not only that will impact others, but just want to see the Lord in my life and, and know the Lord and walk with the Lord. And and uh, so I've been praying about that. You know, it's easy. Uh, some of you can testify if you teach and and preach and, or maybe it's a ministry that you're involved in. It's easy to kind of get into a rut of things after you do it for a while to, uh, just to study for a lesson or study for a message or, or, uh, preparing for this or for that or, or if you got a ministry where you're involved, hands on something to, to go through that motion. And if you're not careful, you come to a place where you're like, okay, this is, my my service to the Lord and this is my relationship, you know, a lot of that 
uh, and, and you look up and, and it's not too long you've been doing that, you kind of, you've kind of lost what you really got into it for to start with. And, and I've kind of experienced that on and off for the last year and just really praying, going, Lord, you know, I, I didn't get into ministry because I wanted to be in a ministry. I got into ministry because of the impact that Jesus made on my life. And so, um, anyhow, some of you will get this and some of you won't. Some of you will wake up here in a minute. So we went out to the prison last week, me and the boys and his group, and to to uh, to do ministry and to sing and to preach, and and we were sitting outside there, and they they got kind of hung up, and so we was outside waiting on somebody to come and escort us in. We was waiting a little longer than we normally wait, and here we were thinking that we was fixing to take Jesus into the prison. All of a sudden, Jesus came out of the prison, and he came out in a little lady that walked out. She was a guard there, and. I won't tell your name. She didn't tell me I could tell this story, but she lives up in um, Monalba, and some of you probably know her. Anyhow, she's just a common lady, and she walked out and don't know any of us, and we're all kind of sitting there on a picnic table, and she came up and she said, so what songs are y'all going to play tonight? <clears throat> and the boy started telling her, and she was like, yeah, I know that song, that song, this song, blah, blah, blah. And, and I can't even tell you how she got into it, but... But we're standing there, and I think there's about five or six of us all together, seven of us. And she just started into talking about the Lord to us and telling us uh, just it wasn't, you just had to be in there. It, was, uh, it wasn't a thing where she needed notes or she was trying to show what she knew of the Bible. She was just speaking her heart out loud and i mean scripture was just rolling off i was just sitting there going wow you know it's awesome that somebody that's not in ministry actually reads the bible and uh and anyhow she started into she's like i just want to encourage y'all to read your bible read your bible and 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 you know here i am i'm a preacher and, and surrounded by preachers disguised as musicians and uh and, and she's telling she, i want you to read your bible and when something like it happens i started listening i don't know about you but i'm like all right lord if you got something to say to me through this lady i want to hear what you're saying and boy did he he uh she said just you know i encourage you because at one point in time in my life you know i I, I listened to somebody on the radio and they were using words like justification, sanctification, all this stuff. And she said, I don't even know what those, at that point in time, she said, I don't even know what those words, using those big words mean, all that. And she said, and you know, in my heart, God spoke and said, why don't you know what those words mean? Because you have the same Bible that they do. And she said, and at that point in time in my life, I thought, I'm going to start reading the Bible. And she said, so every night from that point in time at eight o'clock, we shut everything down in our home. And, and she said, it's not something that's ceremonial, something, but we read the Bible. And, and she said, I study God's word every night and i can tell she had been with jesus i'm telling you, she was quoting habakkuk and stuff i'm like wow and she was talking here's the thing she was talking to us and it was just it wasn't like she's like this is what she was just rolling out because it had meaning in her life and and you could just see a you could see a living vibrant faith in her and then and then she and she was crying and she was testifying of all that the lord had done in her life and she was she is also saying, she said, and you need to tithe, you know, you need to tithe because 90% bless is way better than 100% that's not. And, and so I wanted to hear what she had to say on that. And she went into talking about all the things that God was doing in their life. And, you know, that she has six kids. She's a poor lady. 
and her and her husband and and anyhow long story short at the end of the story you know that here comes our here comes the guy that's going to take us into the prison and i'm like i don't even want to go in the prison right now i really want to hear what she's got to say anyhow she uh, you know says her goodbyes and she goes on her better way and we got up and we was walking in and and I walked up to Jeremy and I said, do you, basically I said, I think Jesus just left the building, you know, and, and, and I said, do you ever feel like we're missing it up here? You know, here we are, we're walking in and it's the people sometimes like that, they've got it and they're, they've got such a walk with the Lord because sometimes it's easy on the stage and listen to me, it's not just us on stage, this whole building can be a stage. Everybody in here can be on a stage and we can put on our duties for the Lord, but really missing God altogether. And, and I told Jeremy, I said, man, you know, I, I don't want to be up here to be heard or seen. I really don't care about that. And I know that they don't, you know, if putting us up here causes me to miss the Lord, I'd, I'll, I'd give this up in a heartbeat. I just want to know the Lord and I want my life to every day live out my relationship with Jesus because exchanging the Lord for a stage or for a role or for a religion or a ceremony is is so empty and it leads to a life that is so empty and frustrating. You know, so I wanted to speak to you out of here because God really used this text to to show me some things in my life that I need change and maybe maybe it'll help you. Because we have to ask, you know, if Jesus is Lord and he is if he's the Lord of your life, if you're if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, and he's the Lord of your life. We always want to know what exactly is Jesus looking for, and what is he looking for in my life, and what is he looking for in our church? He is absolutely looking for a living, vibrant faith, a world impacting faith that is motivated by our love for him and for others. You know, he actually in another text, Jesus said when when he asked this question and said. I love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and strength, your neighbor's self. Upon this hinge, all the law and the prophets. It means if you wanted to basically sum up all of the, all of God's law, all of what the prophets taught in the Old Testament, everything there could be hung on. Do you love God with all of your heart? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Is is your this would be vertical, right? Right, all right. It's, it, once we get our vertical right, you know, and, it, and here's the thing: it's not me loving God; it's the love of God impacting me. We love God because He first loved us, and it's, it's when our hearts come to a place to where we humble ourselves, and God's grace is poured into our spirit, man, into our heart and soul, that we begin to love other people horizontally. Okay, that's the whole purpose of the cross. All right, I'm not Catholic. You got that, all right? But here's the thing. <clears throat> Sometimes we get messed up and we, we lose sight of that and that's when we get off track. And that's what Jesus is, is saying here. Starting off real quick, let me go through this we and we'll see what God has to say. In verse 25, when he says a certain lawyer stood up, this is not a lawyer like we have in our day. Uh, this would be a lawyer that was a, was a, uh, he could have been a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. He was a student or a master of the law of God, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. He knew the law. He knew it, you know, front to back. He would have had, you know, a PhD and all the letters behind it to follow. That's this person here. And basically, he's not asking Jesus because he's seeking the truth. He's trying to catch him. He's wanting to point out something, a flaw in Jesus, okay? So he sets him up and he, he asks, you know, what what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Let me get my page turned. 
I love it that Jesus, most of the time, the way Jesus teaches is just with a question. He doesn't just give you information, okay? When Jesus teaches, he asks a question because the question causes me to have to look at myself. When you just tell somebody something, it's you looking at them. But when you ask somebody something, they, if they truly want to know the truth, they have to look at their own heart. And Jesus always wants to reveal the heart. And so when he asked him this, he asked him the question, what is written in the law? Notice what he says here. What is your reading of it? How do you interpret or how do you understand what is written in the law of God? So he answered and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He gave the right answer. Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this. If you have a pen, underline that in your Bible. Do this, and what's the result of that? You will live. Would you have given that answer? You know, if somebody asked you and said, what, what shall I do? What do I need to do? To have eternal life. A lot of people today would say, oh, you don't have to do anything. You just, you just believe. You just pray the prayer. Now, I'm not preaching a works-based salvation. But listen to me. Jesus didn't say that. That's not the answer he gives. Because here's the thing. A true, vibrant, living faith will cause you to do this. Yeah, that's what Jesus is saying. Anybody can have knowledge. This dude had all kind of knowledge. I'm thinking in churches today, there's so much emphasis on knowledge. Give us another Bible study. Teach us another lesson. Let's go to Sunday school. We can't do anything unless we're, and I'm not taking away from God's word, but I think a lot of people are like, just, I need to know more, more, more. Give me information. We live in a culture that promotes information and knowledge. And, and we think because if we got more knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge and more understanding, that somehow we're closer to the Lord. And that's not necessarily true. And so the Lord gives us something to do. You can, what I'm saying is you can come to church and you can hear a message after message after message and you can get the book of Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and all those deep books and you can understand prophecies and you can, and it's just like, I just thought it's just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians, you can understand all these things, but if you don't have love, you don't have nothing. Here's what Jesus says. Notice this. He said, if you do this, you'll have life. My interpretation of this interpretation is this. If I study God's word, if I come and hear the preaching of God's word, if I'm, if I'm, you know, in, in the word of God, if, if what I get, if what you hear this morning, if you say, I'm hearing you, if what you hear this morning doesn't produce and provoke me to love God with all my heart and love my neighbor as myself, then you ain't getting it. We ain't getting it. We can figure out all the mysteries, but if it's not, Jesus saying, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't penetrate your heart to go, man, God is so good. I love God so greatly. And also, I want to love other people. Why? Because that's the kind of love that Jesus has. Listen to me. How do you know that you're a born-again believer? Because that's the love you possess inside. That's the love of God. The love of God doesn't just come and sing and speak. The love of God causes me to look at you and to look at people, especially out there, to go, I want you to have what I've got. I want you to know who I know, and I want to show you what I have been shown. I want to give you freely what I have been freely given. And that's what God's Word, every message, if you don't get that, even in the most difficult teachings in God's Word, even when you look at judgment and wrath, it should bring us to a place to go, God is so good, I love God, and it causes me to love other people. If we're not getting that from God's Word, all we're getting is an empty knowledge, and we have an empty heart. And so in this, um, 
What is a, what, what does a vibrant faith look like? What does, when God looks at individual believers, what does he desire? When God looks at churches as a whole, and when I looked at this and compared it to churches today, I look and go, man, we're, we're missing it. We're, we're missing a lot of what God wants. Now I think we've got the ceremonies down. And I think we've got the programs down. But is that what God's looking for? And we have to, we have to be honest to go, alright, if we're gonna say we're children of God, we're followers of Jesus, then it's not about what we desire, what we're comfortable with, or what we've always done. It's about what does God want? And if what we're, what we have going is not what God's looking for, we need to change what we got going in our life, in the church, and everything else. And so, you go on down, he says, Jesus, or no, 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 I wanna skip this. Verse 29, and I'm gonna go over a little bit today, but you're used to it. He said, but he, notice this, he wanting to justify himself said, who is my neighbor? Now he had somebody in mind that he was showing love to. We don't know who that person was, okay? But it wasn't that he wanted to humble himself, he wanted to justify himself. When I read this to you this morning, some of you maybe sit there and thought, I'm doing that. And you want to justify, sometimes we, 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 we want to do anything to justify ourselves. Sometimes we need to humble ourselves and go, I'm not doing that, but I want to ask God for the grace to give me the ability to do that. Okay, don't come to church looking to justify yourself or come to God's word going, I'm going to show God that I'm right. No, you're not. I'm going to come to God's word and go, God, I need you to show me where I'm not right and I need your grace to, to get me right. <coughs> And then he goes on down and says in, uh, in verse 30, Then Jesus answered said, notice this, A certain man went down, underline this because this, this changed everything for me this week, from Jerusalem to Jericho. From Jerusalem to Jericho. All these years I've been reading this, first time I caught it, and, and I used to say when the priest passed by, you say, yeah, he's probably on his way to church. And he just how many of you have been on your way to church? You go, That's not what, he was coming from Jerusalem to Jericho. Why does that matter? Because they had been already been to the temple. They had already been at church. Okay. I might start working out so I can keep preaching. <laughs> I lose my wind. Probably not. All right. But anyhow, he goes down and he said, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And so you have a man, probably Jewish man. I know this is a parable, but but probably just for instance, we'll, we'll say that this man was a Jewish man, and he had this man had been to Jerusalem. Okay, now you think about this: a priest in those days, they would they would do the things of the of the sacrifices. They would offer up the sacrifices, and and they would do some of the teaching. The priest would pray for the people. They would represent. They would represent the people to God, but they also represented God to the people. The priest would be a picture of Jesus as our Savior. You know, they were offering up the lamb, the sacrifice. Our high priest representing us to God, and so he would have looked at the priest and went, "Wow, this dude is." He's amazing. He's a man of God. And I, and I would want to be like him. The Levite that we read about in just a second, a Levite was the one who was basically being um, the worship leader. They were the musicians. They brought the people to, to they would play the Psalms and they would sing time uh, things of worship. They were also like a deacon. They would take care of the building. They were the doorkeepers and they assisted the, the priest in uh, doing the sacrifices and preparing the sacrifices. And so what you have here <clears throat> that Jesus is using 
is basically the leadership of the church, the stage, the stage folk who, who are supposed to represent Jesus as savior and servant. Now, don't just look at me and the worship team this morning and the deacons and go, yeah, y'all need to get it right. We do need to get it right. Okay. No doubt about that. But, but here's the thing. In the New Testament, the Bible said, you have been made kings and priests unto your God. So as a born again believer, if you're here and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, you represent Jesus as savior and servant to the world. When you leave your stage today and go out on your way to Jericho, you see that, that priest would, would have his duties. They had a time period there. Them, him and the Levi would have a time period there where they would serve for a period of time. Then they would go back to their home and to their family and all this. And that's what was going on here. Not only had this man who fell among thieves going that way, but the priest, he's leaving Jerusalem. He's leaving his service, his temple services, all of that, along with the Levi. He's going back to, I guess you'd say, the real world. He's going back into his Monday, his Tuesday. And so, on the way, notice what happens. Now, here is an opportunity. You think about this. Not only the priest knows the word, but he's teaching the word. The Levite also taught the word of God in that day. Think about this too. The Levite was, they were scribes for the people. A scribe was one who would take and make copies of God's word. So they were experts. I mean, if you took in every day, you wrote parts of God's word for, for your whole life, you would know the word of God. You would know the desire and the will and the heart of God. If you've come to church for years now, you know the word of God. You should. And you know the will of God and the heart of God and the desire of God. So we're all on the same place as this priest and this Levite. And then, so they head home, and here's the, here's an opportunity. By chance, this man laying here in the ditch, he has been robbed, stripped of his clothing, left for dead, surely, surely a priest. Or a Levite, or a church member, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, would surely see this as an opportunity. But instead, they saw it as something that was something they didn't want no part of. Now by chance, in verse 31, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and he looked... You see that? Can you imagine that? Now you think about this. I'm going to put me in that spot, and you, you tell me how you would judge me. I'm preaching on the love of Jesus today. I leave here. You're, you're going down the road. All of a sudden, you see somebody. Maybe they've been in a wreck. They're laying on the ditch on the side of the road. I drive up. I go, if you were there, you'd be like, isn't he a preacher? Didn't he just preach to us? i got to get to El Toro. I got stuff to do. You know, I'm busy. I got people to meet about my work. Y'all got it. You would sit there and go, "I will," and you would be right. I'll never go back to that church and listen to him again. He is nothing but a pure hypocrite. That's what happens. These 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 men who represent Jesus, they just look, they glance, they walk by. Say, why didn't they stop? Obviously didn't care, obviously didn't have compassion, obviously didn't love, obviously had another agenda. Maybe they thought, you know what, man, I'm tired. I've been, I've been talking to all these people. I've been counseling now for two weeks. I've been, I've been back at the church. I, I just preached on this. Somebody else needs to get this because I've put in my duty. I put in my time. You know, I did my church. We've been there for an hour and a half with the long-winded preacher and worship team. We're going to drag him in on that. And so, you know, I got things to do. This, this is Monday. This is Monday. It's not Sunday. This is Monday. And so they pass on by. 
I don't think it's, I don't think it's, you know, the Lord just pulled it out of his hat. I think he was making a point to go, just because you're in church, to know it is not enough. We have to show it. It's not enough just to have knowledge and to wear the right suit and play the role. If, if your heart doesn't play the part, you ain't got it. And so he goes on down and he says, but a certain Samaritan, and you remember the Jews hated Samaritans. They believed the Samaritans were judged of God and going to hell and didn't have a chance. Okay, These are those folks who don't have a stage. They don't have a robe. They don't carry their King James. You know, these are the people who sometimes maybe they come in and sit in the back of the church or they only show up here and there or whatever. Okay? Sometimes the, the, sometimes the people in the robes judge the Samaritans and don't care nothing about them. They don't think they got to start with. But he said, but as, but as certain, Samaritan, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he had a place to go and things to do. He came where he was. Notice what it says. And when he saw him, he had compassion. I've seen it several times in the scripture. If my memory serves me well, that's exactly what they said about Jesus. Every time Jesus saw somebody, said, and when he looked upon him, he had compassion. The leper, the nasty old leper. And when Jesus saw him, he was moved with compassion. He showed mercy. Say, what was he saying? The Lord's like, I don't care if you've been to the temple. Now, I'm not telling you to skip church. Don't use this to justify your church skipping. Because the Bible does say, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But what I am saying is, just because you do attend church, the Lord's like, I don't care what, what's in the church building. What I care is what's in this temple. What's in, is, is his heart, because this Samaritan's heart lined up perfectly. Even though his appearance and maybe his attendance and everything else didn't line up perfectly, okay? His heart lined up perfectly because he had the heart of God inside of him. And he looked upon this man and he had compassion. Compassion is not just, oh, that's terrible. That's pity. Compassion is, I just can't pass by. I have to do something. Compassion is the love of God within your heart that causes you to do this. And Jesus is making a point here. You know, the other people, their religious rituals were perfected, but their hearts was empty, okay? Here's the thing that, let me read some of the things I wrote down. The love of Jesus does not pass by. The love of Jesus does not look the other way. The love of Jesus is not worried about becoming unclean. You know, the priest and Levi had to think, man, if I go over here and mess this guy, I'm going to be unclean, and I'm not going to be able to go through the ritual. <laughs> Sometimes I think we look at sinners, and we go, I don't want to get involved in their life, because you know what, other people in the church look and think I'm doing the same thing. I, and I'm going to be unclean in other people's sight. You know what, if I get involved in this, and blah, 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 I'm thinking, maybe, maybe we need to get unclean. So that we can get unclean. I'm not saying be sinful. But what I am saying is, it's okay if you're involved with lost people. Because if you're not, they're going to stay half dead. And sooner or later, they're going to be fully dead on the side of the road. There's a lot of believers who pass by. The love of Jesus doesn't need a crowd. Sometimes we get real lovey in the crowd. But when it's just us and somebody who's in need, the love of Jesus does not need a title or a stage. The love of Jesus is not always convenient. It wasn't convenient for this man. He was on a journey. He had a place to go. He had somewhere he had to be. He had an appointment. He had a schedule just like we have. And sometimes we want to love when it's convenient. But what about when it's not convenient? Does God go, I understand. Pass him by. I don't think he does that. The love of Jesus doesn't profit, benefit, or promote the one showing the love. It glorifies the Lord. Glorifies Jesus.
the love of Jesus does bring healing and hope and life. That's why he said, this do and you shall live. Doesn't just bring life to the ones. Get this. If you want a live, vibrant, living, world impacting faith in you to where it's like, the Lord said it will be like a, like a spring boiling up inside of you, producing life. How do you get that? You show what you received. You give what you've been given. You, it's not about, well, I come to church all the time and I pray all the time. Y'all say that? Y'all know. I've, I've said that many times. Lord, I'm going to church all the time, read my Bible all the time, pray all the time. Lord's like, I didn't say those things is going to produce life. I said, you showing my love, you being me to other people. You letting my spirit work through you to impact the world. And all of a sudden, you know what? It brings life to them, but it brings life to you. You're like, this is good. That lady walked away from us that Sunday, and I guarantee you, she walked away, and she's like, oh, I'm so alive. You know why? Because God's Spirit was the life working through her. We could have walked off the stage and went, you know what, I just did that and spent all that time preparing and got down here and sweated in a hot room full of 300 inmates, and I still just feel just as empty as I did when I walked up on the stage. I'm not telling you that's how I felt, but I could have. Because that doesn't produce life. So, finishing up. I want you to see, I'll make sure I don't miss nothing because I'm, what this Samaritan did, okay? Notice what this Samaritan does. What does the love of Jesus look like? Now before I go into this, I want you to think this week. How many people have you passed by this week? A lot of people, what we're going to do is we're going to take that message and we're going to be like, you know what, there's people standing at Walmart, they got a cardboard sign and I passed them by. That's not the people I'm talking about. Now, I'm not saying not to help those people, but a lot of those people just want beer money. They're bums that don't want to work. I'm not being ugly, but I'm saying I know a lot of those people. And as soon as they give them the money, they've, they've got the same health you've got to get a job. And they go in Walmart, buy a six-pack, and they go down the woods and they drink it. Some of them don't. I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying that's a fact. That's not the people that I'm talking about. You don't have to look for somebody holding a cardboard sign. A lot of people that need help, they're not holding a sign. But you can see the signs. If you see them, you pass them by every day most of the time. You know, maybe it's on a phone, somebody sends you a message and you don't have time to fool with it. Maybe it's somebody you're working with. Maybe it's just somebody, family. There's people in this church who are just like this man who's dying. Their faith is dying. And we just pass them by. There's a couple right down the road. They're, they're dying. And I wonder how many people that we, we passed by this week, we just step over them and keep, we keep on our journey. So you have the opportunity. So as I read this to you, is this the kind of love that you're showing? Because if you're not and you want you want to know that you're close to the Lord, this is how you do it. You don't just come to church a bunch more. It says, this Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where this man was. He saw him. He had compassion. Verse 34. So he went to him. And he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Now, we don't have to spiritualize this. So, so what's the spiritual message? He went to him. He bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. You don't always have to be spiritual. Sure, I can take this and say, well, that's what Jesus has done for us, you know, with the, with the blood and the Holy Spirit, and he washed us, and he bound up my heart that was broken. And we can do all that. But you know what? There's some people who just need physical help. There's some people who just, who are so lonely. I can think of several in our church off the top of our head who just need somebody to go, you know what? They don't have nobody, so I'm just, rather than just passing by, I'm going to stop and I'm going to visit with them or I'm going to take them somewhere with me or I'm going to invite them, you know, to go with us after church because they don't have family. 
man, I, two or three times this week, honestly, I saw that where I come in contact with somebody. I just keep saying somebody in church because I just want you to know you don't have to go hunting everywhere. Somebody in church who like had nobody, no, no immediate family, or at least that doesn't care. And, and, and you're like, where's everybody at? We don't, we don't have nobody. It's like, wow. And, and there's a, there's a man in our church who has absolutely no family whatsoever. And the church helps people like that. We throw money sometimes to people like that, but sometimes money's not good company. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes people just need to see you and hear you and, and see love and see you doing this, okay? So he goes to him and he bound him up and he pours in the oil and wine. I'm out of time. And he set him on his own animal. It means that he carried this man's burdens. He walked. How far did he walk? I don't know, but it's probably a pretty long walk. He didn't drag him behind, you know, he loaded him up and he sacrificed. He gave up his comfort, his convenience. And think about this, he even put himself in a place where he could, the same thing could happen to him. He didn't know if the thieves were still around. You know, the priest looks up and he's like, man, I don't want to get robbed. But this dude's like, you know what, I might get robbed and I might get attacked, but I ain't walking by. I wonder how many of us go, you know what, this is going to cost me. This is gonna, this is gonna cost my family, but I just can't walk by. I can't walk by. And then he goes on down and says that he took him to an inn, and notice what it says there, and he took care of him. You see where throwing money comes in. Sometimes we want to help people, and they need help, and sometimes money helps, but it doesn't always help. And sometimes we justify ourselves by going, I gave money. I gave, we got a man sitting here this morning, he's a missionary in Romania. I wonder how many times we give him it's good. He needs the money over there to help him, but that's not all he needs. And maybe some of you sitting here this morning go, oh, they're just going to do an ice cream supper and talk to the missionary. Not good. We gotta, we're going to have things to do. I'm not trying to get you into coming to church. I'm going, you know what? He needs fellowship. He needs people. He needs to see our face to go, I do have people that care about me Why I'm 14 million miles over here in another country. I do have a family that cares and prays. I do have family that does something, but I'm throwing money at me. And sometimes we as a church, we we got to be real careful in America. And I'm not saying nothing bad towards y'all. Y'all are the most giving church I've ever been a part of. But we, we still have to remember, it's not always just money we give. That doesn't just set us free. To be, oh, Jesus, like, just like How many people did Jesus give money to? Not any that I can remember. Never did he fix a problem by throwing cash. Okay? And then you go on down, I know some of you sitting there thinking, good, I ain't giving to the next love offer. <laughs> no, okay, no, you come on. <laughs> All right, I just totally blowed that message. He said on the next day, he departed, took out, look at his head, now he does throw money. So you, you didn't get out of love offer. All right. He said, he goes on down, he said, the next day he pulled out two denarii, a little bit of money, and he gave it to the innkeeper, and he said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will come again. And I will repay you. So he's gonna, he's gonna not only put his hands on and take care of the man, stay awake all night, okay? Then he had to go on about his life to where he's going, but he didn't forget about the man. He said, I'm gonna come back and check. And I'm gonna bear his burden. I'm gonna take the total expense of him, and not only for what I've already paid for, but I'm willing to pay for whatever else comes up. Y'all know where I'm going with this. And so he does this, and he takes care of the man, so he takes full responsibility. And then, when you look at what Jesus said, he said, so, uh, <laughs> and he said, who showed, he who showed mercy on him, and then Jesus said, you go and do likewise. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? He who showed mercy. 
So basically your neighbor is any opportunity that comes up in front of you that you have the opportunity to practice what you preach, to show what you learned, to give what you've been given to. That's your neighbor. And that's what Jesus is looking for in my life. He's not just looking for me to stand up here and preach to you. He said, if you want a living faith, you start doing this. You start showing this, demonstrating this. Watch for the people that I bring in your pathway, and all I want you to do is love them. There's nobody here, if you possess the love of God in your heart, that can't do that. It doesn't require a seminary education. It doesn't require vast knowledge of the Scripture. It requires that you have received what's been offered to you, because if we want to spiritualize this, I would have to say, I was that man. On the side of a road. I was robbed by the thief who came to kill, steal, and destroy. Who took my righteousness. Who took all my clothing. I am naked in the judgment of God. Okay? And all of a sudden, when when churches came by and religious people passed me by, Jesus, who was the Samaritan, came along and he, he showed me compassion. And he saved my soul and he reclothed me in his righteousness. But this is one of the best parts. He took me, carried my burden, bound me up. He cared for me. And not only did he pay for my past expense, he said, whatever else he does in life, I've got him covered. Man. If that right there doesn't impact my heart to go, then I'm going to do that, Lord. If that's what you want me to do, I don't care if I stand up in front of another church. I don't care if I stand up at a conference, at a stage, sing another song, do any of that. I don't need a, a roll or a title, Lord. You're telling me all you want me to do, all you want our church to do, is, is to show that kind of love to the world. What would happen if we showed that kind of love to the world? I'm gonna close with, I'm gonna close with this thought, okay? And I shared this with my Wednesday night class, but I wanna share it with you real quick. We make ministry so complex, so, difficult and so needy of all this education. I'm not against education, but I'm thinking, let's not use it to justify our negligence. One person, this is my challenge for you as a believer, one person. I've challenged you with this before. If every person in this church, let's just say we got a hundred people, we've got more. But if we just had a hundred people and you said, I'm going to focus on just one this whole year, 365 days. I'm going to pray that God brings one person in my life that I can show that kind of love to, that I can invest that kind, that I can be the gospel, that I can do this. One person. You can win one person a year to the Lord. Guaranteed, you can. Because here's the thing, God wants to save people, and if you've got a heart to show the love of Jesus people, He's going to make sure you come in contact with those people. It is going to cost you to sacrifice. It is going to cost you to humble yourself. It is going to cost you time. But you know what? Last time I checked the New Testament, the Bible says count the cost. Following Jesus costs. But think about this. If you, if you want one person, 100 people, one year, you got a whole year just for one. You don't got to focus on 200 or standing up here, one person, all you got to do. 100 people in, in one year will go 200, 400, 800, 1600, 3200, 6400, 12,500, 25,000, 50,000, and in 10 years we would reach 100,000 people for Jesus. That's the way Jesus designed the church. But somehow, we've turned it into a stage. One person. There's no excuse why we, if we possess, here's what I think, I think if you start loving people like Jesus, you have a whole lot more than one person. It ain't going to take ten years. Because the love of Jesus absolutely radically impacts and changes people's lives.
<coughs> the question is, will you do this? And if you won't do it, then you got to ask the question, do I have this? If you're here this morning, maybe maybe you look at that text like I did and you're like, wow, maybe that's what I'm missing, the whole point. And I need God to change me. Please, you got two responses today. You can justify yourself. Well, I don't have time. I'm not that, I don't feel comfortable. You know, I love my people. Or you can humble yourself and go, all right, Lord, I haven't been doing that. I haven't been showing love. I hadn't been involved in myself in other people's life. And that's not natural for me. But God, that's what grace is about. It's supernatural. And I'm humbling myself to ask you, God, please give me that love. Please let me just not disgrace what you did at me at the cross in a ceremony or a ritual or a song or a message. But God, let my life, let your love so impact me that I've got to show that kind of love to somebody else. And if you're here and you've never received that kind of love, did you not hear the message? It's not about this. It's not about another church service and attending and and jumping around to different churches and religion, none of that. It's about you are that person that Satan has so robbed you of. But Jesus, even while you were laying there half dead, he came to you carried your sins to the cross, died for you and paid for your sin debt 100% in full, and he offers you the, the forgiveness and life. Because when you receive that love, that's what salvation is. Like, God, I want to receive that love. I don't have it. But I want to know you, and I want to receive your love. God, please save me. God saves you, gives you life like you can't imagine. Changes your heart, changes your perspective. And you know what? Your life should be on a mission then. You've never trusted in Jesus. Listen, you don't got to come up here. Some people go, I don't want to come in the front. Then don't come in the front. Jesus doesn't stand in the front. He's standing right where you are. And you can be saved right there if you just humble yourself and you give your heart to the Lord this morning. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Lord, I love you.